Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Dear friends, what then are we to say about these things? Paul is coming to the end of the first half of his letter to the Romans, and that is what he asks. We've been reading Romans in church for weeks. We'll continue reading it for weeks to come. Romans. I got my theological education in two graduate schools, the University of Chicago Lutheran, University of Chicago Divinity School and the Lutheran School of Theology at Chicago, two very different schools. They had many classes in scripture, whole degree programs in the Bible, but they rarely offered a single class devoted simply to one book of the Bible. But both of these schools, each of these very different schools, offered two classes on Romans alone. The only book of the Bible honored by not just one whole class, but two classes in sequence. The first class dealt with the first eight chapters of Romans. The second class dealt with the last eight chapters of Romans, that's 16 chapters. That's how complex this book of the Bible is and how important it is to theology and to the history of the church. So today's reading at the end of chapter 8 is the climax of that first half of the book. We've been building up for today's reading since June 26th. What then are we to say about these things is Paul's conclusion. What then are we to say about these things? These things. Paul has two laundry lists of these things. This is the first list. Hardship, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword. And here's the second list. Death, life, angels, rulers, things present, things to come, powers, height, depth, anything else in all creation. What then are we to say about these things? For those of us who attend funerals, the word on that list that stands out is death. Death cannot separate us from the love of God. But Paul was not writing for a funeral. He was not writing on the occasion of someone's death. We tend to trot out these words at funerals because death is about the worst thing that we can think of. But on Paul's list, death is just one of the problems. In fact, right after death, he lists life. We're afraid that death might separate us from God. What about life? What then are we to say about these things? Now, the laundry lists 
have been translated in different ways. I don't always approve of the message Bible because it's too loose, but it says, not trouble, not hard times, not hatred, not hunger, not homelessness, not bullying threats, not backstabbing. Is any of this sounding familiar? Did I come to the wrong church this morning? You people are all healthy and rich and overflowing with blessings and joy. Pass the offering plates right now. Just a couple of things. Paul emphatic, emphatically includes both physical problems and supernatural problems. His second laundry list includes angels. You may think that all angels are supposed to be good, but Paul doesn't. And the word rulers, which follows angels, has traditionally been translated principalities. And it can mean worldly rulers, but it also can mean demonic rulers. He who must not be named, as they say in the Harry Potter books and movies. He who must not be named. I'm not going to say his name because it's a curse. Paul talks in his letters about the ruler of the kingdom of the air. That's you know who. What then are we to say about these things? Distress is on the first laundry list. It's a Greek word that means a tight place. Just like it sounds, a tight place, we translate it distress. Has anybody ever been in a tight place financially, emotionally, ever been in jail, ever served in the Navy on a submarine? A tight place. Distress is how we translate that. What then are we to say about these things? Paul quotes Jeremiah saying we are like sheep going to the slaughterhouse. But the Message Bible, that loose translation that I don't always trust, says we're sitting ducks. They pick us off one by one. That's what you call getting the sense of it right, even if you translate the words wrong. You grammar geeks, you grammar geeks, I know you're out there, you will know a word called polysyndeton. If you don't know that word, write it down and use it for a password on the internet. Polysyndeton. It's how you ramp up words to make them sound overwhelming. I could say... I could say that for dinner, I had meatloaf, potatoes, carrots, rolls, and apple pie. But if I say I had meatloaf and potatoes and carrots and rolls and apple pies, you start to feel bloated too. <laughs> Polysyndeton means using conjunctions. Conjunctions grammar, using them over and over for emphasis. And Paul does this twice. 
with his two laundry lists. The first laundry list is seven items tied together with or, hardship, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. This technique of writing, or preaching, or arguing in front of a jury, this is supposed to make you feel overwhelmed. But the second laundry list, which describes God's power, God's response is even more overwhelming. The second laundry list is ten items tied together with nor. Death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation. Unsustainable government debt, unsustainable personal debt, unsustainable health practices, unsustainable abuse of the planet. What then are we to say about these things? Breakdown of families, breakdown of values, breakdown of community. What then are we supposed to say about these things? Weakening eyesight, weakening joints, weakening memory. Can I get an amen? You, you forgot how to say amen because you're weakening memory. <laughs> what then are we to say about these things? Obstacles to education, obstacles to finding employment, obstacles to being happy. What then? are we to say about these things? Vulnerable to infection, vulnerable to computer hacking, vulnerable to predators, vulnerable to terrorist attack. What then are we to say to these things? Paul has a three-letter word. It's Greek. You say al, alpha, lambda, lambda. A-L-L, all. This is the first word that he writes after the lambs to the slaughter thing, the sheep to the slaughter. Our translation says, no. It is very powerful. The King James Version says, nay. The correct translation, though, according to me, is the conjunction, and this is true, in a scholarly sense. The correct translation is the conjunction but, or the conjunction however, or best of all, the conjunction nevertheless. Nevertheless, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. What then are we to say about these things? What then are we to say about these things? 10 plus 17 items on the two laundry lists. What then are we to say about these things? Nevertheless, nevertheless, we are more than victors. Lutheran Christians have traditionally placed an emphasis on baptism, infant baptism even, because we believe in God's power, not our own. 
We believe in God's steadfastness, not our own. Before we ever believe in God, God believes in us. Baptism is the big nevertheless. Why do we uh, have a little procession on Sunday? Why does the pastor start down there? Because the confession and forgiveness has to come from the baptismal font in Lutheran worship. Because the baptismal font is where the promise is made to you that God forgives you no matter what. And so that power doesn't come from me. It comes to you from God's gift of baptism, which is why it's my job to stand down there when we do the confession and forgiveness. And baptism is your big nevertheless. Baptism is your personal promise that those overwhelming lists, unsustainable or breakdown or weakening or obstacles or vulnerabilities will be turned back by God with his overwhelming power, his power of love, his overwhelming decision to get in your boat with you. With God, it is unsustainable, nor breakdown, nor weakening, nor obstacles, nor vulnerabilities. None of these shall ever separate us from our security, our foundation, our hope in God's love through Jesus the anointed. Luther says it this way, Martin Luther says it this way in his large catechism. To appreciate and use baptism aright, we must draw strength and comfort from it when our sins or conscience oppress us, and we must retort, but I am baptized, and if I am baptized, I have the promise that I shall be saved and have eternal life, both in soul and body. Baptism is no good if you get the baby sprinkled and never set foot in the congregation again. Baptism, Luther says, is to be appreciated and used. Use your baptism in the right ways. And the right way means to draw strength and comfort. To retort, to answer back to the devil, to answer back to your shame and your humiliation, to your addiction, to your guilt, to your doubt, to your fears, to answer back, but, or no, Paul says, all, alpha, lambda, lambda. Nevertheless, nevertheless, I am baptized, Luther says. In the best of times, life is difficult. In the worst of times, life seems like a cruel joke. We are sitting ducks, for all the evils around us, for all the evils within us. What then are we to say to these things? Nevertheless, a calm nevertheless, a defiant nevertheless. What then are we to say to these things? Nevertheless, amen.